Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. It's episode two of the 22-23 season. We've had a bit of a lag between the first and second episodes, but here we are. We're back. Similar lineup. Me, James. We got Jack. We got John. We got Connor. Hello, collectively, boys. Hello. 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 Good Anyone have a nice anecdote for the start of the show? I'm seeing nods. A surprise anecdote. Shakes. Okay. I have an unsurprising one, which is last night was shit. Oh. Starting it off with an obscenity. <laughs> it's a real shame. Uh, anyway, right, we I'm we back. hit a thousand. We hit a thousand followers on Twitter. Jack, has it gone to your head? Uh, yeah, I've been running around doing a Gavin White all around Derby, actually. Really? <laughs> okay. This is John. What do you want to say that is just not for the younger listeners? I was just glad that like four people didn't unfollow just to piss us off. Yeah. I they was... will now, yo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With all that language, John. Jesus. Yeah. I was um I was really hoping it was just like a Romanian bot called Cindy with one follower that um <laughs> was the one that got us to a thousand. Um anyway. Uh who <laughs> I've done who's on the pod. Agenda for today is quite busy, so we've got a little bit of news to go through. Fixtures is basically all the fixtures since we've last done a pod. I think we'll um, rattle through a bunch of those games and we'll stop and talk a bit more about Lincoln and some of the reaction from that game. Connor, you were there, weren't you? Um, I was. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in League One. We'll have a bit of a chat about Morecambe on Saturday. Saturday? That game, yeah. that game can't come soon enough, I don't think. Um, we'll look at kind of upcoming fixtures and the run of games and then we'll we haven't talked about our pre-season predictions I quite like to change mine after the start of the season um, really good about half of mine yeah yeah true so we each picked like a, a finishing league position and our player of the season so we'll get onto that right at the end and we might rattle through that depending on how much time we've got left um, so into news this feels weird to say because it's been a while, but the home and away kits were revealed because last time we had, did a pod, we didn't have any um, any sponsor and the kits were just changing every game in pre-season. My, my only thought about the home kit was that the, just I think a lot of people said the same thing, that the sponsor, Connor, is quite in your face, isn't it? But otherwise, it's a lovely shirt. Yeah, it is. I, don't, I mean, personally, I don't mind sponsor too much. Well, I have a weird gripe with and this it's just a bit it's just strange this right so i'm a small right that's what i wear most of the kids i'm getting size. onto sizes but, yeah yeah but there's a, this big problem with this right so i'm a small but normally i'll be a small men's right but there doesn't seem to be a small men's it just seems to be a junior so you're a large boys I'm, yeah i'm fitting in a large <laughs> boys. but a problem with this though right listen to this this is where it gets weird the size of the batch on that kit is tiny so, like, on my shirt, compared to my dad's, for example, the badge is, like, give like 30% smaller. So, it just looks even stranger with the with the massive sponsor. So, it's, it's a bit strange. It's just, I don't understand the sizing. And I can't understand why they don't have a, a, a small adult's kit. But it fits me. It fits nicely. It's just strange. Just don't okay. understand what's gone on there. Weird. There I mean, go. you can get an under-16 ticket on the gate. I wish I could. Yeah. I'm getting a lot well, cheaper if get. I could do that. Um, don't know. Does that, like, does that mean maybe I can get to Ollie's Den? Can I get to Ollie's Den now if I'm like under sixteen or something? Does that mean you've saved yourself some money on the kit as well by technically buying a children's version? 
Yeah, so it was th- it was thirty eight quid, yeah. But then to be it's fair, like twelve quid, dis- isn't it? Got discount as well, you know, inside knowledge and all that. Well, there you go, <laughs> fantastic. Um, John, away kit. What are you saying? Do you like it? Simplistic. Mm, a bit meh, to be honest. Um, okay. The sleeves of the home kit are just so nice that you just kind of yeah. It's hard to compete with that, really. Yeah. Jack, any any build on the kit chat? Are you uh, a fan of the sleeves? It, the home kit's very nice. Nice to be a bit niche. Uh, the white kit's a bit lead, isn't it? Yeah, the home kit's got a nice kind of uh, wo- embroidered 1893 on the back, hasn't it? Which I think is a nice touch. Yeah, the wake has got that as well. Does it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Just wait to see what the third kit is, if we actually get a third kit. Oh, yeah, true. It seems like we are now in the middle of August and we've not even seen anything. It's a bit weird, but yeah. we'll wait and see. Okay. Um, right, stadium and takeover chat. The only real thing of note is that um, people will have hopefully seen either via email or on Twitter or socials or on the Oxford website, that um, there's a survey that people can fill out. And it basically allows all the fan base to let the club know what you want to see with the the new stadium project. So what should they be prioritising? What are your own ideas and aspirations you'd like the club to be thinking about? Um, what did you... Have you guys filled it out? Yeah. 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 Any, any particular call-outs of things that you'd want to see, Jack? Uh, I just said something like a fan zone at the ground so you actually can get there kind of oh well it's worth getting there you know a couple of hours before kickoff because obviously at the minute yeah there's naff all at, at where we play isn't there so having something that maybe plays local bands or whatever good choice of beer not your generic kind of crap um so yeah. to make it make it a bit of a day out because football's supposed to be a bit of a day out. It's not not all about the ninety minutes. So if it, if they make it appealing, you know, like the likes of us who live, you know, a couple of hours away or whatever, might be tempted to get down a lot more often if it's more of an appealing day out. Yeah, I I said the same about the fan zone because I went to Lincoln. Was it last season? Terrible game, lost two 0 Herbie Kane sent off. Yeah, um, yeah but they had like a fan zone going on outside the ground with where local businesses were rocking up with trucks and there were stalls and stuff and it was it was pretty cool so you could surely get local independent businesses to kind of engage with it all and that's another way to kind of you know boost the community vibes that hopefully the whole project is going to bring um john Uh, anything from your side i went for giant imposing statue as you come around the corner (laughs) to the stadium of anything in particular Right. Like a oh, banana. Not, not Cameron Brannigan then. Well, I mean, it's at risk of, um, you know, coming out of danger. carp. But just something that, like, <laughs> you know, just imposing. I mean, that's not very practical and would cost a fortune. But Okay. What do you want the statue made out of? Steel. I don't know. Iron. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Glad. Glad we got that uh, out of the way. Uh, Connor, can you build on a statue? Yeah. I mean, with. With like um, obviously with my my work and stuff around the experience of disabled people at football, I obviously make you know put my two cents forward about making sure you know the stadium has more raised viewing platforms and that sort of thing in comparison to what we have at the Kassam and a few bits and bobs around that. Um, so kind of an inclusive approach to things, I guess, from me. But that was just that's what I would say because I'm a bit nice. of an advocate for that stuff so yeah there's a few yeah. comments i made on that sort of side of things but i'm not going to go into too much depth about it because yeah we can always talk about that sort of stuff later, later date it, when we actually see any plans 
Yeah, all good. The only other things I said was have a. I like the idea of it being a bespoke bit of architecture and a bespoke design. Yeah. I think that's important. And I don't want any breeze blocks visible on the interior <laughs> of the stadium, yeah. which is another thing. <laughs> is that what you outlined? About. Did you actually say that? I did. Honestly, I, said, I said that. Yeah, I like that. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, no breeze, breeze blocks, blocks, please. So, unless it's in the away, maybe in the away bit, that's fine. Um, they can have breeze blocks. But then the only other thing I said is like, obviously the ice rinks looks to be a, a thing, but get the whole, you know, all the excellent Oxfordshire sport down there, whether it, you know, whether it's the Oxford yeah. Swimming Club, the you know, all the rugby teams just to be based there alongside Oxford Stars, just have it as the the hub for professional sport in Oxford. So. I mean, um, on, a, on a serious point, that is part of the case for it, isn't it? That it is a yeah. hub and it's more than just a people turn up every two weeks sort of thing. Definitely. Yeah. It has to and be, doesn't it? I think. And a giant statue. If anyone was wondering what that ding was, um, <laughs> Connor's got a big ice cream sundae that he's chomping away at. <laughs> anyway, um, please, that, that survey is still available on oefcstadium.co.uk. Uh, go and have a look there. I think they wanted it all wrapped up soon, but it was still available when I had a look yesterday. So have a peek at that. Um, we appointed a new director, didn't we, John? What was his name? Does he changed it? <laughs> Grant Grant Ferguson. Uh, and why is that interesting, John? Well, he was on the board at Inter Milan until he was there. Uh, he's apparently been around for quite a while doing bits and pieces. But it's, as ever, it's a move in that space. But it is still weird that the formal takeover is dragging on. And the only reason we're giving is country legal type structures and all that sort of stuff. Which, yeah. Um, but it seems like all the right people are making the decisions. So it's interesting. I heard people start talking about what's going on. I know, like, there's been a bit of a meltdown, and I was probably part of it a little bit yesterday, but. Suddenly, everyone turns to the board, you know, like in times of crisis. Like, What's going on with the board? Who's Grant Ferguson? <laughs> and it all just starts <laughs> going downhill again. Um, anyway, right. On to squad and transfers, and then we'll, um, we'll probably jump around a bit between this and the fixtures, no doubt. Um, but key news, Mr. Brannigan signed a, th- a three-year deal. Um, Jack, kudos goes out to... The pond installers of Oxford. Definitely. Massive. Blackpool could offer that, could they? They just could offer a load of cod in the North Sea. So, um, yeah. His, pond, his pond's really nice, actually, isn't it? It's got lights and everything. So I thought it looked a little bit small for the size of fish that were in there. But that's my... I don't really know. I'm a bit ignorant to the ratio between water and fish. I was I, I was disappointed a... when he scored last night. He didn't do any kind of fishing style celebration. <laughs> when you're losing, when you're losing two <laughs> one at home, yeah, but training you know, stops and does a whole fishing celebration. Just, yeah, it turns it into a bit of FIFA when you're losing eight 0 yeah. and you pull out the <laughs> the triple Reeling back. Reeling him in. Um, <laughs> uh, on a serious note, Jack, did, did you see that coming? I think it was a bit of a circus, wasn't it? It was crazy how it all. Came about. Well, when it when it turned out that he had travelled to Blackpool, I thought it was a shoe in that he was going. So we obviously we don't quite know what the deal was, but presumably it was a good one. And I think it's been said that his agent suggested there's a lot there's a lot in a player being happy. Um so, you know, fair fair play to him. 
Um, hopefully he can build on a good season last year and, you know, have another good one with us. Yeah, for sure. Anthony Ford, it's gone to Wrexham, John. No more drooling from you. I know, I know. It's um, I mean, I think on the last maybe season review, we we were all a bit like, good player can do a role, but it's a little bit of a funny one. And to me, this is just strikes me as an example of how transfers work in football. He's been offered two, three years at Wrexham on probably the same money, if not better, than because they're obviously splashing the cash at the moment. And it's just an example. We've gone, yeah, give us a few thousand or ten, twenty thousand or whatever. And it just makes sense for all parties. Um, so yeah, it's a good player. And but would he, for example, would he be changing the dynamic at the moment? Probably not. So it's just one of those. This is how football works. Type of examples, I think. Yeah, I wonder where he'll play for them. Whether it'll be in midfield or at right back. Thing is, I think he needs to go to somewhere where he can play forty games in midfield on the on the right yeah. side or something like that. He's, he's not this sort of. It's only ever a makeshift fullback, but. No, I mean, he's, well, we could do with his crossing ability at the moment. That's um, something that's one of the many things we're failing miserably on, but it's a slight tangent. Yeah. Um, James Henry, Connor, signed a two-year deal. Mm. I was quite happy with this. How did you feel? <laughs> yeah, I was quite happy as well. I, I really couldn't understand some of the criticism that I saw on Twitter of people saying, oh, well, he's not a starter. He's definitely not this. He's definitely not that. And oh, he's 33. He's, you know, he's a player we should be looking to move on. And I don't agree with that. I think there's a, um, a successful team to have a distinct balance between youth and experience. And I think James Henry offers that experience in abundance and can obviously help younger players and also can contribute on the pitch. I know some people might have criticised his recent performances, but I don't think he's actually been the worst player on the pitch um, this season so far. So uh, I think it's a good move, two-year deal. I think it's kind of just a little bit of a no-brainer, really, to keep him around. Yeah, probably finish his career with the club, which I think is quite nice. Yeah. He was a our player of the... Well, pulled us out of some terrible situations in Definitely. the past. So. Yeah. And also, I don't think the, re- you know, the people, some people call him the goat. You know, there's a reason why. So I think it's, I think it's quite good that he's staying around for another two years. It, it's just bollocks that, that some people say like, oh, he's, <laughs> he's written off or his legs have gone. <laughs> like, he's, 30, he's 33, <laughs> Christ's sake. Um, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't say his role's guaranteed at all, but you can make stuff happen. And, but it's interesting in commentary a few times of the games I've listened to, there have been quite a few references to how he looks particularly fit and particularly lean. And I don't know whether that's a sort of a a narrative that people are trying to dispel or, or what, but it's yeah, I I think it's a strong move. Um Yeah. KR clearly wants him around, not just because he wants him in the team sheet. There's something else it's, there as well. It's interesting to hear that yeah, he or to be reminded that he scored a hat trick at the home game versus Lincoln last season. So, you know, not that much time has gone since he was still he was still putting in the yeah. goals. Respect the goat. Respect the goat. Um some weird ones. Uh Stevens, Jack Stevens leaves for Port Vale on a season long loan, Jack, and then McGinty. Obviously the McGinty stuff is like floating around, and then we were like, Well, where does how does that work? And then we got an answer. It all still feels a little bit strange, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels like McGinty was one that was on the, the the radar, so to speak, and we suddenly got wind that actually perhaps we can do a deal now, so we did it, um, and then suddenly went, oh God, we've got three keepers now. <laughs> one of them's got a, you know, whoever ends up not starting the game out of the two that were already here will, will go. But I don't think, 
as much as we talked about the kind of Optus stats last season and Stevens' um, expected saves or whatever the terminology is being awful, really, when he's you know, bottom of the league in that sense, I don't think any of us would have predicted what less than two games into the season that he'd be on loan as the number one at another club in the same league. Um, I thought if he was going to go anywhere, it would be to a League Two club, just from the kind of competition aspect. But the fact he has got a League One move is probably good for everyone because if he does well, he comes back next year to fight for a number one shirt or a bigger club starts looking again because he's a young English goalkeeper. If he doesn't do well, then we can probably, you know, look to get rid of him permanently to a lower league. And if it's somewhere in the middle, we don't lose out either. So yeah, it does make sense in the long term, I think. It just, you know, no one expected a loan move to Port Vale. McGinty must have been given some reassurances that he was wouldn't be that far away from playing, given there must have been a lot of competition for him. You know, he must have been pretty highly rated by all accounts. So it's still something weird about it, whether we kind of sort of decided that Stevens, we needed to do something slightly radical to prompt him or push him or kind of is the sort of stuff Jack's just laid out. But it does seem like McGinty's going to be, they want him in the first team, not that far away, really. Yeah. Connor, like one of his first moments, McGinty in the team was against Swansea when he came balling out of the area and handballed it. And I thought listening <laughs> yeah. to the radio, I was like, it's probably going to get sent off. I didn't really remember what the rules were, but. Yeah, I mean, I was at the game and I thought the same thing when it actually happened in you know real time right in front of me. I, I did have my hand, you know, nail biting stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, he got away with it in the end. You know, I mean, unfortunately, he then conceded for the resulting free kick, which is also another kick in the teeth for him. Um, he did he did look a little bit wobbly to start off with. Uh, he definitely grew into the game, and uh, interestingly, you know. It kind of came full circle, didn't it, where he became the hero and, you know, he, he, he saved the penalty that ended up putting us through. So I, I, I really respected his post-game interview as well, where he, you know, came out and was honest and said, you know, he was nervous and it's probably the worst performance he's ever ever put on show, um, given that it was his debut for us as well. It wasn't you know, great timing, but I thought he spoke very well after the game. And I, I, I think he'll, I, I, I think, I think there's potential there. Definitely. Is he tall? Is he tall? He doesn't look that tall. Yeah, he is tall. Yeah, he's like six, six one, six two, oh, right. something like that. Yeah, yeah, he is quite tall. His, his, his mullet adds an extra couple of inches on him. He's got a hell of a haircut. <laughs> the curly, curly mullet. Yeah, proper haircut. But no, I, I, I think he looks good so far. I mean, I know people might say oh, dodgy first, first team performance, but nerves and the rest of it, it can kick in, can't it, for some players, and he'll get over that. That comes yeah. with game time and experience. Uh, so we knew we needed to sign another striker and then Carl Joseph um, sounds like, well, we were kind of rumoured to be poaching him for a while from Swansea on loan, um, but he's, he's come across, he's played, what, 50, 50 games in the between the Championship and League One already? Has he played in League Two as well, maybe? I don't know. No, he was on loan at Cheltenham, so. wasn't he? No, yeah, um, you seem the most excited about um, Carl Joseph, James. Do I? Yeah, when you I'm not that. I mean, it's more that it's it's nice to have a striker who is taller than six foot, also has legs and a bit of pace. And from what I've seen from him, even in just a couple of like fleeting performances, he he seems pretty quick. 
uh, left-footed as well. So, I, you know, it was just whether or not he... How does he get enough minutes to show properly what he can do unless he's starting cup games and playing alongside Matty? Because Taylor has to... He, he has been a slow starter at times, like the club has, has a whole, as a whole. So it's just whether or not, you know... I think if you started taking Taylor out of the team and getting Joseph in to start games early on in the season before before Taylor's hit his stride. That's a massive call to make. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought even last night, um, obviously against Lincoln, that I had a strange feeling that Joseph might start because I think, I know we're kind of diving into it a little bit now, that's what I'm about to say, but I don't think Taylor's performed particularly well this season and I don't think it's down to this classic oh but he hasn't had the service I don't think he's performed well enough regardless of whether he's had service or not Um, so I think I think Joseph is kind of I think it's a good signing in terms of like you said James with the profile of the player he offers something a little bit different to Matty Taylor which is good Um, and I think I think from what I've seen of him so far, he looks he looks okay. He looks he looks he looks pretty decent against Bristol Rovers, I have to say. Um, when he came on, I think last yesterday, last night, he was a little bit um, he went missing a little bit. Um, but but everyone yeah, was I playing think, um, nonsense positions last night. Yeah, it the ended up becoming that. It did end up becoming that. Yeah, definitely. Let's so say how sure safe. Let's say yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry. But no, I think it's a good. I think it's a good sign, and I think he he'll he'll uh, I think he'll do all right. Yeah, um, there was a note about interest in a West West Brom right back. Um, what was he called? Ethan Ingram. I don't know if that's gone anywhere. That was in the Athletic, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, that yeah, would be. I think he's just... Let someone else talk, sorry. Connor. Go on. I know. Sorry. No. Yeah. I I I think <laughs> that's just another of these kind of younger loanies that we look at who. who might come in and come and play 25, 30 games or might come in and very much sit on the bench in case, you know, someone uh, is out injured for a long time. There doesn't seem to be too much about him other than he made his debut for West Brom last year in a, I think it was a 6-0 defeat in the League Cup. So <laughs> Sounds great. From from West Brom's point of view, he needs to get out and play games. Is it, Here's the kind of classic, is he going to be a starter for us? It's pretty hard to tell because there's not a lot about him uh, available. There's just yeah. been no clarity from KR or no sort of particularly strong noise from KR about fullbacks and what he's thinking in that space. He's been very quick as ever, jokes aside, to talk about wingers and the need for a striker and stuff. He's just sort of danced around fullbacks a lot. And I know it's kind of, yes, we've got Seddon Brown long, but it's weird. I can't work out what we're doing around this. Are we sort of nailing our colours saying we are going to get more in, which... I personally think we do need a right back, and I think we all do. But it's... we must have had this exact conversation last year, maybe the year before as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know about fullbacks and the the imbalance that's there and the not being clear? Like, either you have really solid fullbacks, or you have a bit of a balance there, or you have marauding ones that give you some different options. And we, it's all just a bit of a the sudden experiment doesn't seem to be going too well brown's there i still think brown's got a lot to offer as a center back and as a left back when you're trying to just contain a team i'm not all for the whole him running over to the right back position and chucking the ball in every 10 minutes it feels very (laughs) it's a bit cringe but maybe it'll work i think why i'm struggling with it is that sort of 
the teams that tend to go up and or be very strong at the top of the table, they always have outstanding fullbacks or wingbacks in some way. And I feel like we've got sort of sort of solid but fullbacks. And that's where it feels like we still need to do something in this space, but it feels a bit too late to do something drastic. I'm like I'm gonna throw my usual point in. I'm yeah, gonna throw my usual point in that I say every season. For whatever reason, defensively, we tell our fullbacks to go so narrow that it causes absolute chaos. Yeah. In terms of picking other players up in the penalty box. And some of that came last night for the first goal where Finley lost his man, never got back to him. Then you had Seddon at the back post who had someone behind him, someone in front of him. Mm. If he was playing as a left-back should do, which is at the back post, he'd have had the person behind him. Sam Long didn't stop the the cross coming in because he stayed so narrow and slow to get out to him. Yet, allegedly, we're supposed to be playing this gung-ho kind of attacking fullback style, which surely in effect means they should want to be quite wide themselves in front of a defensive position. Yeah. So it all just feels like, James, you just said it, we keep having the same conversation season on season now about the weaknesses in our squad, yet alone our style of play. But KR, like John said, doesn't seem to... The fullback thing is just nuts now because everyone can see it. Our front front six as well is so attacking-minded that we should be capable of saying we're just going to keep the, the fullbacks flat until we kind of get some results that we need or, or grind something out of it. it. It doesn't seem like we should make basically the, the core of the team in the midfield so vulnerable all the time by just bombing the fullbacks forward as well. But I don't think we have been bombing the fullbacks on so much this season because from what I've seen, we've well, almost switched up. We've switched up the way that our wingers are playing for a start. We're not playing inverted wingers this season. So... In that sense, you know, you've got the players who are sticking more onto the touchline and are not coming inside, which means the fullbacks are not Miranda in forward and getting round them. So there's clearly this kind of, I mean, KR alluded to it after the um, Bristol Rovers game, where we're stuck between these two styles, two styles of play, where we obviously want to be more defensively solid than we were last season, because clearly our downfall was conceding goals. But in turn, what that is, what, what that's created is a real lack of creativity going forward. And I, and I, you know, as much as I am a, I'm going to be honest with you, a hater of Steve Seddon, I can't stand him. Um, yeah, in terms of, in terms of, yeah, in terms, not obviously personality wise, I can't stand him. It's not that. It's, it's how he is on the pitch. And I just think Steve Seddon is only decent, and I say decent generously, going forward. Defensively, he's absolutely woeful. And I think if you're going to try and play this style where you you, know, you want to be slightly more defensive, if that is what we are indeed going for this season in terms of you know, having banks of four um, and being quite a low block, etc., then Steve Seddon is not the fullback that we want. Sam Long yeah. potentially might be, because Sam Long is defensively, I think, not bad. But Seddon, just oh, seriously, I, I, so- I just don't see it. I, don't, I just don't think he... I. There are times where Long has good moments in games and good periods and he might have the odd good performance, but he's, it's not consistent enough, I don't think. And then Seddon... I just... I, I think it's an expe- It's a gamble. It's a complete gamble. He was frozen out last season and he said, you've got another go at it. And it's not... It, how, how long do you give it until you kind of accept that you've got to have a better quality there? You keep Brown as the, the cover... But yeah. you get he's got to make his mind up now, though, hasn't he? Because we've got two weeks left of the window. You know, you've got to make your I, mind up. 
I think touching on, touching on the style thing as well, <clears throat> we've got to a situation, it's partly because obviously Wildshut and Murphy aren't available and it now looks like Marcus Brown's not going to be available, where we're playing yeah. Bowden wide, which is not his best position. <clears throat> well, so off, you, the, you, off the left anyway. Off exactly. Right. So can, when he plays yeah, inside, exactly. like inverted wingers, he's not too bad. But yeah, Exactly. So you've around. got this situation where you've got Bowden playing wide on the left who ends up stifling your left-back who you're wanting to get forward. So you actually end up with very little creativity or productivity from the left. Sam Long is, yes, less kind of gung-ho, naturally. And then we know that Brown would rather cut in from the left, but for some reason he's gone back out to the right. So we've ended up with this position yeah. of like Bowden and Brown playing arguably the wrong way round for their strengths. And then the full-backs kind of stuck between are we going, staying, and then it all just feels a little yeah. bit disjointed and it seems unnecessarily so. And there's also yeah. no yeah. one, Putin is a pure defensive midfielder who's going to drop in to when they do. Because so Seddon and Long with fully covered all the time, that's not knocking McGuane, which is a different debate which we'll get to. That's the other side of it that makes those two full more secure is having someone who thinks like that, which obviously Gorin is around, but he's not quite fully fit and how you get him into the team with the other midfield options we've got is a conundrum in itself yeah it's going either way it's going to be interesting to say the the rumor was that if we're getting a fullback in they can probably cover both sides but we'll, we'll have to see but do we want someone like that is. this is the thing it's like as a, as a supporter looking at what we have available now, do you really want no, someone? No, no, you, I want, be able to you definitely want no. a starter. Yeah. yeah, you do. I'm sorry. The, the, I think the quality that we have at the moment is not good enough in terms of being able to push for those high, you know, high positions in the league table. I don't think either of the fullbacks are good enough, really. I mean, I'd it, still be on the side of preferring long to Seddon in any capacity, but the thing with the, the left-back position is I don't, I generally have this worry, and I think a lot of fans might have this worry now as well, but I think that Carl Robinson genuinely feels like Long and Seddon are good enough, and that worries me. There's a man management thing, though, isn't there? There's like the squad. There's his commitment to the players, and I think a lot of, of that's getting in the way of the what. Yeah, but it, I, with yeah. Long, I do get it though. By the way, because we've seen him go through extended periods where he has been a marauding right back and he has managed to kind of get the right balance and he's, his end product's been good. But it's been, you know, a quarter of his time over the last four seasons. But it, when it when he was hitting the mark, he was superb. It The more I think about it, it feels like we kind of went uh, all in, not all in, but committed to try and get Nicky Cadden to come in as a left wing back. When we didn't land him and he chose Barnsley instead, we've kind of gone, oh, blimey, we're going to have to stick with the four then. Um, and haven't really... Because at the start of pre-season or the end of last season, KR was talking about all three at the back, wing-backs. Then he, yeah. when when McNally went to Burnley, he said, oh, that probably means we won't be able to play the three then. And he just thought... Surely there was a... to Baldock as well, I think, playing a part in that as well. So, yeah, yeah it just feels like the... The just, you just post needed, not getting Cadden, there, there was no plan B if we didn't get him. Yeah, I can see that. But you would have still needed a fully-fledged right wing-back, of which Long is not yeah. that. And you would still need a ball-playing centre-half, of which Finley isn't, isn't that. 
Brown, not really. More sometimes, but yeah. didn't didn't KR announce a, a big some exciting news at one point? Everyone was like, "Oh, what's it going to be?" We tried something in training, and it's very exciting. And then it was, "What's the it young was Golding at right back?" Golding at right back, and then you're kind of right going, yeah. "We've lost Anthony Ford," and that's the that's the big news. But he's not going to start ahead of Long, so. It's not no. it's the fact that you've got some cover. It, it just sounded like he was basically positioning, well, this is why we haven't done anything in that space because this player is really, really exciting. And now he, no, I don't, many people have actually saw saw it live, but it's not, it's not a established option. No, no definitely it, not. He played well. He did play well against. Yeah, Swansea. which is great. Give him his due. Yeah, give him his due. But but yeah, I agree. It's definitely not a long. It's not a. It's not a fix for this season anyway. Right. Well, it's either way, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't honestly, I don't think left and right back are KR's priorities at the moment. But I think they should. I think they should be. And that's worrying, isn't it? That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. I think a lot of fans. Well, the it, same way. So, it's worrying from the. Back, yeah. We don't think they're doing that well at the minute, and it's worrying from the. If one of them breaks their leg, then we're screwed from a defensive numbers point of view. Yet alone the, if they're in form or not. Yeah. Yeah. We always. I remember when Tony came on the pod one time and talking about backup for Ruffles was it, and it was Alecci or whoever at the time. And we just said during mm. the season, if that plays out, it's going to be horrendous. And it just seems crazy we're still here. Um, right. Obviously, off the back, we were kind of talking about wingers a lot recently. But with Jody Jones was on the bench, wasn't he against Lincoln? But hasn't really hasn't played yet. He didn't get on. Either doesn't, um, yeah, doesn't fit in my eyes from what I saw of him. Doesn't look fit no. when he came on against. Um, he played against Swansea that first half. He played. He was appalling, in my opinion. He was so slow to everything. He just looked, just didn't look fit. And really, he came on again. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really didn't think he looked good at all against Swansea. I mean, he got dragged at half time, so that might have said, yeah, that might have been a reason. But he, he, he didn't look sharp to me. Um, so I'm, okay. I'm not, I'm not personally worried. Excited, Jones, because it, it, it's sort of. I know the guy's been out for a long time. Well, not is that not he's been out? He just hasn't played. But yeah, how's he going to get to a space where he can come in? Because we need a, we exactly. need wingers that are right right now, and he's not even close by the sounds of it. I guess the problem well, is really is that obviously we expected to have players like Walshit. Walsh might where he says no, he has to get his calling Walsh shit by accident. Um, we're supposed to have him. <laughs> we're supposed to have him. Wild shot. Wild shot. You, you make, you make um, my. <laughs> we're meant to have him and Murphy, obviously, and Brown, you know, fit, who would be ahead of Jones. And then, you know, you'd be able to build him up that way, even through training and through cup matches. But of course, as we now know, those players are all injured. <laughs> so I think, you know, he might have to step up. But again, it's like you say, John, it's going to be difficult for him to to kind of come into that, particularly into the first team, if he actually does get the chances now, especially with Brown being injured and what his performances are going to be like. With... How did how did Murphy look against Cambridge? Because you were there, Connor, weren't you? No, no, I didn't go to Cambridge. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't Fine. there. He's, no, no I, was, I, was, I was coming across the Irish Sea in that, in that game. I was on a ferry, so I missed that, unfortunately. I think, um, the, as Connor's just said there, though, and this is going back, we're kind of jumping all over the place, but thinking about current form and where we're at, and if you kind of ignore the the defence for, for a second, uh, or at least the fullbacks, if we had Jones, Murphy, 
Wild Shut and Bulldog and now Brown potentially all fit and Taylor as well. That is still, you've got multiple options. It's it's horrendous that the situation with injuries. Um, yeah. And I keep going then, back and forth around yeah. looking at what what's going on with these performances and then looking at that. But then other, as loads of people have said on Twitter, it's like a load of these players have had a lot of significant yeah. injuries in the past. And, you know, it's coming to back to bite us. It doesn't matter how much you invest in sports science and everything else, if if they their bodies have got well, a track and record. It also doesn't matter how much you invest if you actively say when you sign Josh Murphy that we're going to manage him properly and then two weeks later of light training, he's thrown in to start against a side. And now yeah. he's his issue that yeah, was going to be managed weeks. is yeah. now clearly much worse. It's like when we played Marcus Brown from the start against Pompey last year, and then he oh, pulled up at half time or whatever. You see, it, and, and it's like playing Sam Baldock on the artificial pitch at Oxford City after saying he won't risk him. Kind of yeah, thing. It, like the lot the logic on some of the introducing players in the right way would seem to be doing it overly over the over the top with Gorin, and not over the top with those players that perhaps needed protecting a little bit more. That's. That's why I'm. It, there's this imbalance, isn't there, of knowing not knowing quite how to feel, because the squad on paper, injury free, looks quality. Like definitely looks like you'll be challenging every every team you're playing against, and they'll be having problems defensively. Yeah, the, the issue is firmly with the approach and the plan, because if you looked at the Lincoln players, the Bristol Rovers players, the Cambridge players, we wouldn't take any of them within reason, like. Everyone would go, oh yeah, we'd have we'd have Bowden, we'd have Browning and all those types of things. Except for losing Brown last night, the team that was put out last night is you're right, you can fiddle around the, the edges around positioning and where's the pace and stuff like that. But actually, it's good players on on paper. And in the previous games, it's in the approach and how the midfield is playing is where the, the real problems are at the moment. We should be able to get results with the team we are and then as you say throw in all those other players and suddenly we're like how do we get all these players into the team how do we get Baldock and Taylor in the same team great problems to have um yeah (laughs) let's get on to some of the matches though (laughs) so I think we should rattle through these because we've been talking so much yeah we'll we'll only end up repeating ourselves John, I think we were chatting about the Derby game. Obviously, it was amazing amazing to have so many Oxford fans there. What, over 3,000? 3, 3, it was a great, uh, great support. Good atmosphere for the game. I thought it was amazing. Um, but yeah, it was a good performance. It was probably our best performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I've seen them a, a reasonable chunk of what we've played. And that performance seemed like, yeah, we probably second half didn't know with stick or twist, but we created chance within it, sort of calmed Derby down in what was in theory could have been quite an atmosphere and quite a tricky situation, but that was nullified as, as far as I could tell and actually created some decent chances and yeah, weirdly that that's probably I think our best performance of the season when we would have happily taken a point and it was just it was one mistake. Yeah. You know, which which everyone acknowledged and everyone held up to. It was a lot more like 50-50 fluid football first half. There was a couple... Bowden had that chance where he lobbed, nearly lobbed the keeper. Taylor had a chance which he kind of snatched at where he could have done a lot better. 
And then I mean, as, um, as we were about to talk about against Derby, that's a team and the, they'll play in a way we'd like to play against. As we're about to talk about three teams on the bounce that aren't bad football teams necessarily, Bristol Rovers aside, who set up in a way and you know how to slam us up and it's the same issues as you know two last not last season but the two seasons before that where we just it's causing these problems with, with a slow start yeah um played then played Cambridge at home and they they bossed a lot of the first 30 minutes of this game and then we were I think we were very lucky to get a win out of it and I, I saw a lot of comments about like well KR said after the Lincoln game yesterday that you know results aren't matching up with the performances, and then I saw. I think the first response that was under there was like, "Yeah, we didn't deserve to get the win against Cambridge, so he's right." And <laughs> I, I kind of I understand that though because we were. It was a very tight game, and the draw was definitely a fair result. But um, Jack, it was good to see Tyler Goodrum get a goal. It was like your son scoring his first goal at the local <laughs> park. Um, he looks about 12 doesn't he he talks he's, I love the like authentic energy and the way he chats it's pretty like cool. that that interview after his goal he was just so excited and I, I really liked that um, and to be fair to him he took the goal really well because the, the touch that looks like he's mishit it he, you can tell that he's positioning the ball to be able to hit it um, it reminded me a little bit of the kind of feeling I had and this this it's going to sound horrendous, actually. There's a feeling of when Van Kessel popped one in against Portsmouth on debut and everyone was like, here we go. <laughs> this player's going to be incredible. Um, I think Goodrum's probably got a bit more about him than Van Kessel ever had. So, And given that Brown's now injured, he might he might have to be involved a lot more than perhaps we thought before the end of the month. I thought you were going like down the Jamie Brooks type route. Oh, no, no. Not, not, not bringing Van Kessel back into Well, the- I was just playing out comparing the two um, together and it felt really harsh on Tyler Goodrum. So, how's he? How's he looked in person, Connor? Tyler Goodrum, because when he's come, he, he's still he's obviously very slight. And I've saw there was a couple of times where I've been like, "Go on, take him on," and he's still a little yeah. bit hesitant. But that will come with time and a bit of confidence, I, I guess. I think against Swansea, he looked very good. I think you know he was doing that. He was taking players on. I think he looks quite raw, but on the next breath. He's, he's definitely got ability to go past a player. Um, I think he got a little bit kind of um, maybe muscled out of the game a little bit against um, Bristol Rovers when he came on. Uh, but I, I still think he, I think he's done enough to deserve his place in and around the first team at the moment. I think um, it's really good to see it as well, you know, being a youth academy graduate and stuff. So um, I hope he does well. And, and like you just said earlier, um, I don't know who said it. One of you just said it about Brown's injury. You know, Goodrum was the first one who was called down from the from the touchline um, yesterday when when Brown went down. So you know, I think I think Goodrum is the kind of natural replacement, I guess, with with the injuries we have as well around the squad. So I think we will see a lot more of him. Who he's probably, gonna, he's probably gonna have to start on Saturday, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's he what will. I was actually gonna say. That like Kr did say in the post Lincoln interview, we're gonna have to be very, very, you know, very busy in the transfer market again and just didn't give any more info away. Jack, well, do you still think Goodrum will be sorry. here by the end of the window? Um, well, depending on what... The, if, if Brown's injury is months rather than weeks, then I think he's got to be around, assuming no one else gets signed. Um, 
I think the thing with Goodrum is he's a bit more of a winger winger like we we had the conversation about playing Bowden on the wrong side and he's a bit, you know he's a bit more he's not as head down and go Goodrum wants to take a man on and we we need that in our side because otherwise we all become a bit slow and pedestrian and someone cuts back and lays it off and then the momentum stops so if we want a player that's going to take someone on and Brown's out for a while which we don't know yet he he needs to stick around yeah, yeah. Connor Nathan did ask um, KR directly whether or not he's looking for another winger and, and this was yesterday after the game and KR said yes definitely so he's obviously going to be going in for another winger given the fact of the injuries that we have to those players so I imagine he'll be looking to see who's available and I would I would imagine Kevin that would be probably yeah well do you, do you think it'd be a permanent or do you think it'd be a you know, six month loan you know I, I doubt we could afford to pay Gavin not, White's not, wages. Not for Gavin. Not for Gavin. I mean, another player. But yeah. Loan. Loan, six months, surely. Can, can you imagine if all the wingers just became fit at the same time? <laughs> just what, inundated like, with the wingers. That'd be classic. Yeah, classic yeah. KR. Get 15 minutes each with five substitutes. You could just rotate the wingers. And then he'd, and then he'd play them centrally. <laughs> we'll need judging we'll in the team because one of the issues with our midfield is a lot of them, they want the ball to come to them and then they want to look up and dictate. There's not a lot of them moving around off the ball, sort of making those 10-yard runs. And that's where Goodrum is not going to want demand the ball. He's going to want to get into the space to receive it off your Brannigan, your Bowden and the like. So I kind of think we'll need that variation against Morecambe in the midfield, assuming it's going to be a lack of pace midfield, essentially. Yeah. Um we then went to play. We played Swansea at home in the League Cup. It looked to be going pretty badly. Um, we obviously talked yeah. earlier about the, the handball, the free kick. Then they kind of swanned in for a second. Oh Christ! You've been lining that one up all um, day, haven't you? I haven't actually. Just looked at their badge and then you know it came to me. Then Alex Rodriguez <laughs> scored with his ass, um, blocked it in. That was cool. Um, what was Cam's guy as a free kick again from like exactly the same position, wasn't it? That Swansea yeah, scored. Yeah, deflection. yeah, yeah. Just levered it at the wall and hoped for the best. And thankfully, it caught a deflection and went in the yeah. top corner. So, yeah, why not? Do, do, we're doing all right with penalties, though, aren't we? It's our new thing, isn't yeah. it? Have we, we feel, I feel like we've won quite a few penalty shootouts. They're all pretty good pens yeah. as well. Like, they generally, were. most of our penalties seem pretty good. Like, Brannigan's against Lincoln was. Very different to the one he took against Swansea. So the one can... against Swansea was amazing. Yeah, pile driver style, beautiful. John Massinio eat your heart out. Yeah, means. it was that. Is that approach, wasn't it? Anyway, cup run, John. You all for it? Palace next Tuesday, is it? Wednesday, Tuesday. Don't know. Tuesday. I'd, I'd really, Tuesday. I'd really yeah. like, I'd really like a cup run. Sort of prefer FA Cup to to league, but I'm not going to complain too much. But then you always get sort of bogged down with, oh, oh, League One is so competitive. Should we just kind of have all our eggs in that basket? But then I just think, well, cup runs are fun. Um, so let's just have one. Cool. So we'll beat Palace and we'll keep it going because John wants the fun. I want the fun. Um, I don't think we all beat Palace at all. So but... Shame it wasn't Palace away. <laughs> yeah, I'd have gone to Palace away. Yeah, it's it's a nice, yeah. nice away. Yeah, you want cup run with lots of away ties for sure. Yeah. Never been, never been to Selhurst Park, so that's quite sad. But you know, good draw, all the same. Definitely be watching that. 
Um, then we went to Bristol Rovers. Right, Connor, you had a lovely view. Lovely view for 30 quid, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the only reason I really went to Bristol Rovers because obviously I've not been able to go to many games living in Ireland for uh, quite a long time, but one of my best mates kind of you know, forced me to go because he's not been to that stadium before and he wanted to tick it off. And I, I begrudgedly went along with him because for £30, it's an absolute disgrace that a football club can charge that much money for a stadium that offers provision like that because it is an absolute shithole. Um, I mean, we got it. We got it. I just, yeah, I just, I just. I just, I just really don't understand it, and also the the experience they offer fans there is horrendous as well. I mean, the sound system—you couldn't even hear yourself think, let alone talk to someone before the game. What, or... Do you want the Bose? No, no, but, no, but seriously, it's not even that. It's just the levels that it was played at, and the songs, and the and the bloke who's the MC for them. You know, the guy who does like all the talking. Well, he's a DJ. It's horrendous. Um, is it yeah, like a it was not DJ. It, oh, he's oh, yeah, he's a joke. Honestly, I'm sure fans fans who went. Uh, last weekend, or who's listening to this, they'll be able to uh, to understand what I'm talking about. But yeah, it it wasn't a great experience, and also it wasn't a particularly great game <laughs> to match. So overall, it wasn't a very good day, really. Did Did you not think first before they scored? I I, I remember saying on our on the WhatsApp group, if we concede first, we'll be in bother here because you could just see that they were a little didn't really have much about them football wise. And they obviously had um, Mark John Marquis in the team and everything else. But is we would look at we looked alright before they scored, and it was the kind of same story against Lincoln. Like we looked alright, and then they scored, and then it yeah. just played out exactly how you, you kind of hoped it wouldn't, where we didn't have an answer. But. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things, isn't it? Where it's like, how do you how do you kind of classify we looked alright? You know, how do you define what that means? I mean, I think. We didn't really create very many opportunities. I mean, we looked relatively comfortable defensively. Long, long hit the bar, didn't he, from a corner first half? Yeah, yeah, and then that was that was after they scored, though, wasn't it? I'm sure it was. Um, yeah, no, Marcus I don't think so. Oh, okay. Either way, but yeah. the goal again was a very typical Oxford goal to concede from a set play, which was frustrating. Um, and yeah, I think I think to be honest with you, again, it really does just. Um, go back to this was a prime example of how we are stuck between two styles of play because I do think that you know when we were were 1-0 down we, we we didn't create much at all whereas you know you compare it to last night where obviously we were 2-0 down and then when we got back to 2-2 against Lincoln uh, sorry 2-1 against Lincoln we actually threw the kitchen sink at them a little bit yesterday but there was none of that on Saturday it was very we, we were nullified a lot going forward and that was really very much so because we had no creativity on the top of the pitch yeah um, Obviously, Henry missed that sitter as well, where Taylor got the ball into him in the first half back post. He obviously missed that header, which was frustrating. Um, but yeah, we kind of, as I said, really much, very much lacked lacked some creativity at the top end of the pitch, which has kind of been the story of all all games this season, really. I, I still feel, in comparison to Link, Lincoln, understandably so, being two 0 up, started the second half and just instantly dropped. I think they actually just dropped after their first as well, but then obviously the the way their second goal played out. I'm sure Jack can talk a little bit about that. But anyway, let's get on let's get on to Lincoln then. So you kind of start that game. Um again I, again first twenty minutes looked pretty good. Um we looked 
I, like I, our passer. I remember because I started watching the game and then Jack and John joined joined and I was given a summary of how the first 20 minutes had gone. I was like, oh yeah, Parsons pretty pretty good tempo, getting the working the ball out to the left quite a lot. Bowden had thrown in quite a few crosses. Especially there was definitely a couple of dangerous crosses brought in. Sam Long got down the right at one time. Another good cross coming in. You know, they, we were forcing them to defend and we were asking questions. And again, um there was just a couple of moments where that scully bloke, it's always the say he's always caused us problems, isn't he? Yeah, he gets down there left. And they just overloaded the left and Sam Long just didn't have a clue. And to Jack's point earlier, got really narrow and they just kept they kept doing like one, two training exercises around him. And then Scully had two opportunities to shoot, kind of fluffed both of them. And I thought, I, saw, I remember again saying to the guys, we've, we've left Scully open twice and we've been lucky to get away with it. And then obviously then he's left with acres of space to pick out a cross and then, um, you know... Is an easy, easy header in the end, but we just didn't learn from it. And obviously, that's the second goal, which was we didn't really react well to that either. Rest of the first half, and then Jack, that second goal was from our throw in, wasn't it? Down in the left, yeah, throw in in our own defensive third, just a stoppage time sticks over, and we lose the ball. And 10 seconds later, it's 2 0. Like, if there was ever a case for just get it up the other end see it through to half time take the one nil that was it but it yeah i but still like, don't i still don't understand how scully had so much not space but t- time to he took like five it. touches yeah it was it was and he was what? against the he was in front of the center backs there was no one he had, didn't have to go past someone should have been in front of him in front of the center backs and i think it was possibly bait was the the closest player and um yeah he was a bit of a a mystery in that game for sure i, I just mm-hmm. it's he getting was. just very frustrating about how we're letting teams seem to be able to move the ball quicker forward finding they find space to get into a lot easier than we do whereas we're getting have more control of the ball so to speak but our tempo in the field is so slow and then teams can just set up and kind of sit back and go right well we'll just sit in front of you because no one's really pushing us back or or you're getting the ball down to down the size you know Marcus Brown had one one or two really good runs where he just sort of pushed it and went yeah just went yeah but we should just be recycling the ball into those spaces and say right go on do it but it's it comes down to this sort of no we're just going to try and play more football and I think we just need to take a pass out quite often yeah, I don't mean go more direct necessarily. Just take one or two passes out and see what happens. And then at half time, we forgot to kind of mention Bait. This was Bait's first start, wasn't it? Yeah, league I mean, start. Yeah, you, and what what you was he given for forgetting he was even on the pitch? But I think that was that we were saying it, watching it. Like, what's he been asked? What's he been asked to do? Yeah, and then what did he? I felt I felt a bit sorry for obviously he'll have a lot of you know he'll be nervous um and everything else but I didn't well we didn't understand what he was meant to be doing like what type of yeah. midfield role was he meant to be playing if McGuane's sat deep um yeah I completely agree I couldn't work it out either watching it live I feel like the game bypassed him quite a lot actually but I I couldn't really understand what what sort of role he was supposed to be playing because I don't actually think he received the ball very very often and when we had the ball so when we didn't have the ball, again, he's not really a player who's going to tuck in. Like, you know, when Brannigan plays, 
that position when we don't have the ball, Brannigan kind of like, you know, becomes slightly more defensive and tuck in and, and will press lower as in when the ball passes our halfway line into our half. But Bay didn't really do that. And I was a bit confused as to what role he was trying to play. I was like, you know, is he a he's supposed to be a you know attacking playmaker or is he supposed to be a um just a just a ball ball winning midfielder? Definitely wasn't that. And he's just like, where's he What's his role? I couldn't understand, and I think that kind of reflected his. I think almost his confusion as well, because he didn't really didn't even notice him half the time. So, and it's a bit of a strange one for me. I, I think it almost ended up stifling Brannigan as well, because it felt like Brannigan was trying to do the work of two players almost. And there's a there's another theme. I'm sure we'll touch on McGuane in a minute, but I saw someone summarize what I've been trying to summarize over the past week or so really well. We'll, we'll get on to McGuane, I guess. Should we talk about McGuire? Just do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it now. So yeah. I saw someone summarise this really well earlier. So obviously, remember the Blackpool uh, playoff semis and KR come, came out and said, we need to sign some athletic, robust players. We need some strength in our side. <clears throat> and uh, what, a season, over a season later, we've ended up with arguably one of the most skillful players at the club having to play the DM role because we haven't signed anyone to play the DM role off the back of our main defensive midfielder doing his ACL. So you've now almost got this kind of lack of a main ball winner, which means that Brannigan has to do a bit of it, McGuane has to do a bit of it, when actually really they're creative players. You want them getting on the ball, driving forward, creating chances. You don't want them to be the ball winners. And... If you know, if if the person playing the DM role was a bit more like a Paul Scholes or a Roy Keane, I think that comes back to the whole protecting the fullbacks thing. But we've just seemed to have persisted with this like pretty footballer type thing and just forcing them into a midfield in the hope that it works. And actually, as well as McGuane's playing, I'd love for him to be playing that well twenty yards further forward. But he <laughs> he he is, and my argument with this is he's been our man of the match. For what? Probably the last three, four games or something. For all the games, pretty much. And that's oh, yeah, well, he, his, but... sta- his stats around winning the ball back, ball retention, pass completion, driving from deep in the absence of a centre-back that's going to do that, which was a luxury we've obviously had for three, four years. I still think if you had, let's say you had Brannigan plus another midfielder that was giving you that creativity, I, I still think it's it's been brilliant having McGuane there to kind of yeah. work through the lines on his own but it's oh, because it we don't have that third midfielder well and this is the point isn't it, it, it like I'll say he could have the best passing stats in the league but if he's doing it 20 yards further back from where he's most effective as a creative player then there's no surprise we're not scoring goals because arguably our most creative player is sat in front of the back four but I don't know if I, if I, I don't know if I agree that he's the most creative player because uh, not being funny he didn't didn't make it at Arsenal, didn't make it at Barcelona in that role, purely because he obviously didn't I have the, the Yeah, team. I know, I know, they are big teams, but and obviously not in Forest as well. You know, there's a reason he's playing for Oxford and not playing for those teams, and it's perhaps because they were playing him in the wrong role. And I I generally think from what I've seen of him this season, in that particular role he's played, he's been absolutely outstanding. And if and if that is if that's the position he plays well in for Oxford United, then so be it, in my opinion, because we've got See. players Luckily, like Brannigan, who can, you know, he's quite diverse. He, he obviously can be creative and go forward, but also can do some of the McGuane, you know, in terms of the win the ball back, etc. But I, I, 
I don't know where I sit on that, Jack, personally. I, I, I yeah, kind of just, disagree with my, you. My example bit. that I'm going with is the best bit of play last night was when he got the ball on the edge of the centre circle and flicked yeah. it out wide. And that's what I want to see him doing because he's yeah. got the ability to do it. But he's got to worry a little bit about being this ball winner, which I don't think he is. He but needs he has, a ball he winner. He hasn't shown that he's a playmaker or a scorer of goals in any of his time it's playing so far, in yeah. the two well, further I, forward. I, I think he has seen, we've seen the odd spell from him, but this is the first time he's been sort of full pre-seasoned, clearly had the time to kind of understand what his game needs to be. I'm enjoying this uh, complete pod split. We rarely disagree anything. So I team, <laughs> it's about time. Jack and John, Jack and John versus uh, Colin and James. Cause I think, yeah, He's been fantastic, but he's clearly added more presence, more drive, much better incisive passing. And I think if he was playing, sort of had someone behind him and he was on the sort of left left side of midfield where we have seen him perform well for us in spells, then he could be absolutely, you know, take us to an even further level. And that's where I want to see him this season. I think this role, he's doing well in it but it's not getting the best out of him. And it will be exposing over time because you saw it with Kane, that if you play a player that's not really defensively minded, that the, the things start to, to creep in. Kane. So I think it's, it's the same thing as last season, basically being repeated with with Marcus McGrain, but he is playing phenomenally well doing what he is, but there's so much more. You saw in the second half of Lincoln, he played a few, he played in Joseph who had a shot. He obviously put that amazing pass down the side which Bowden then crossed in. So that's the sort of creativity further forward that would unlock the issues we're having. But he's still doing that in that position, is the is the point. I, I, I think if you if you've got Gorin sitting. But only two in there, or three times a game. Like if there's someone else who was giving him the ball further up, then off he goes. I'd I'd honestly just think if you've if let's say Bate becomes a world beater alongside Brannigan, I I'd you'd just keep McGuane sat in there. We could do this all day, couldn't we? I, well, I, think yeah, only, I, I think the only thing that will will kind of put any of our, you know, sides of the story to the test is if slash when Gorin becomes fit enough to be able to start games, and if Gorin sits sits back into that role and plays that CDM ball winning midfield player anchor player, which is obviously not really the role that McGuane is actually playing right now. He's kind of playing that kind of deep line playmaker, really, isn't he? But if that happens and Gorin comes in, sits there, McGuane's midfield forward, and McGuane proves and shows that he can influence the game further on the pitch, then there's your answer. Yeah, so I think that's my, my one-line summary would happens. be, I'd like to see him doing what he's doing, but 20 yards further forward, because at the minute we've scored one goal from open play because we're not creating proper chances, really, are we? Minus the Henry header, have we created a proper, proper chance? Probably not. No. And well, Bran- Brannigan had that one last night, the goalkeeper said, didn't he? That was probably one other one, but yeah. <laughs> even that's two in the four games. Slim, yeah, it's slim, slim pickings, even by adding one more to it. Yeah. So, yeah, we've gone from the top scorers, obviously, in the league last year to really struggling to create chances. It's sad. The only, the only solace is the only solace I do have at the moment is it's very early on, it's only four games in, and we have had shit starts the season before and still ended up in the playoffs. So, I don't think all is lost just yet, and I really, really deeply disagree with the people that are calling for Carl Robinson's head as well. I think people need to have a word. Yeah, that's ab- that's absolute that. nonsense. So, but... um, yeah, I, I think I think Morecambe though is it's a it's a big game. It's it's going to be one where you know I'm going to go preview it now, but we need the 
need a little bit of confidence back, I think. If KR happens to listen to the pod, he would have thought all of us were KR out outers yeah, like, spent up to this point. But it's worth saying that I completely agree with you. But I, I, on all, of all of the bad starts we've had in recent years, this feels like it's got the potential to be, given the teams we're, we're playing and the run we've got, this could be bad mm. because unless we recruit and gel extremely quickly, there's nothing to... I, I think some of our bad starts, we've pl- had good performances and been scoring goals, but still losing games. This just feels... I think this is the most frustrating one because the points we're making are exactly the same ones that we discussed as weaknesses yeah. last season. Yeah. yeah. So and we need... We, we, as a... We being the coaching staff, need to address that sooner rather than later. Otherwise, we'll just have exactly the same discussion about where do we need to strengthen in January and it'll be, oh, we need a fullback, we might need a DM... You know, it just it feels like yeah. I'm not. I'm nowhere near a, a KR out, but I'm moving to the why are we not addressing the things that have been needing to be addressed for a while? I mean, the only the only answer I have for those sorts of things, which I would love to know the ins and out of, we really would, is I'd love to know what the market's like at the moment, as into what players are actually available in those positions and whether or not they are they have the quality to play at this level. I would love to know what the market's like. I mean, it's something that we can all speculate about. Of, oh, you know, we can bring whoever we want and we've got a bit of money, blah, blah, blah. It's not as simple as that. But I would, I'd love to know the players that are on, on that board in the office, put it that way. I think we all would. Probably still Nicky Cadden. Yeah. I still think though, because, <laughs> the crying because of the amount of, next to it. Because of the amount of injuries we've got, I think it creates a weird problem for us. Is the is the is the thing that's getting me? It's a waiting not, game, isn't it? You end up well, it's just like trying to get those players back. What happens to? Do you remember two thousand nine, ten? I suppose it's like a good season to talk about. It might have even been the season before, but we just ended up with like forty one players through the season or something. Alex Rhodes and friends. Just I just remember Pro- every week we seem to signed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just think um, it just feels like there's. It's going to be interesting to see what we actually do and how far away some of the wingers are from coming back and stuff um anyway kr's comments after the game as we said earlier results haven't supported the performances that caused a lot of people to be pretty pissed off by saying well we've got as much as we kind of deserved so far um i'd say Derby's the only one where i felt we deserved a draw and we didn't get it um he said that he always <laughs> that i know it's a bit of slamming kr but when he talks about the players caring, they really care. It's like, yes, they get paid you know, to do this job and they run around. Yes, they run around and they put everything in. Yes. Th- th- those comments is just like, it's not minimum, addressing, it? it's not addressing anything, is it? It's just, I know, again, <laughs> I don't want to slam it too much, but, and he has to protect the players and you know, having listened to the moment of truth pod, and he didn't. He didn't open the door yeah. to the dressing room for a while yesterday. Nathan was lingering around outside. He'll be absolutely like tearing them apart, and then he'll come out and say, "The players care. They run around." <laughs> and then you're just like, oh. "It's just energy." In that whole interview, he was just sort of just rolling out, almost like a platitude of like the players care. And he was just. He just seemed a very emotionally strained through it, and then does that chaos thing where he sort of throws in things where people go. What are you? What are you talking about? We, you know, we were all over them second half, and it's just. Well, we were. I think in second half we were a lot better. Like I, I we mean, were, but he also said, but, but, yeah. 
He said yeah. first half. First half, he said we were all over them, which isn't yeah, true. That isn't, that isn't it true. was a very even game. We were, you know, and we let in two poor goals, and it was our fault. Um, he said we're cursed at the moment. It will come good. Mentioned obviously the point that we need to strengthen the team, um, but I, I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's very difficult. I just to think def- at this, defend it. at this point, at this point, honestly, how much does it surprise you that that's what he came out and said? Because he does it all the time. He's he's a manager who deflects everything away from his players, and I kind of give him credit for doing that. But I can see why people do get pissed off with it. I'm kind of used to it now, and you know, some people might think, "Oh, well, you know, is that is that the right approach? You know, should you not be critical of the manager because he's doing these things?" But he's very good at deflecting it away from the players, and I do think that's important. Um, but again, I can see it from other people's perspectives where they do get a bit pissy with it. Because I think when you when, same shit, different when you think about the last five to ten games of last season and the disappointment mm-hmm. of falling out of the playoffs to start the season like this yeah. was always, always going to cause him a lot of problems with the fans because you probably say that a team that's pushing top two won't lose four games by Christmas type thing. You know, yeah. probably, you know, potentially. Yeah. Will Ipswich yeah. lose four times by Christmas? I, I'm pretty sure we will have lost four times by the end of the month type thing. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. it's, and I... Well, I'm I laughing. I had, as, you know, I, I think like many with some of those signings, there was all... There was that excitement that maybe you know this this again could be the year where we're definitely all, pushing top six. They all had a gamble against them. It's one of those things where, like as you said, it's an embarrassment of riches if they all stay fit. If they don't, then we're where we are. Um, but yeah, he's got some. He's just going to need to get a couple of wins just to sort of calm things down, really. So. Looking at the reaction from the fans, so Swiss Yellow was saying KR and the recruitment team have played a gamble and lost, need to rethink with a few weeks left of the window. I saw George Dugdale. There was a lot of people talking about the booing at halftime. Um, I don't I don't know what I think about booing, but I don't know how else you let out uh, any sense of frustration. I think, but I think the booing thing was booing because of the result, not necessarily the performance. I think it's one of those things where it's cliche, but if you were going in at 1-1, or even at one nil, that wouldn't have happened. I yeah. just think because we conceded right on half time, people were like, "Oh fuck this" type thing, and you know, just let their emotions out and booed. I mean, that I I think that's always the way. It's 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 the this is more the result than the performance, personally speaking. But yeah, well, George D- Dugdale was saying it was a better, obviously a better second half. I still think on the second half, by the way, Lincoln just set up to not tr- concede two goals, and we're never going to offer anything. So we made yeah, those changes and then... I saw Lincoln had an XG of zero in the second half. So, you know, they had no <laughs> exactly. intention of trying to add to so, their lead. So what do we learn? Like when everyone's like, oh, we had a good second half. It's like, well, we did, we caused that situation by being, te- you know, by letting in two poor goals and then Lincoln were always going to play like that. We created a ridiculous like team lineup and shape and everything with everyone all over the place. But we were always going to still be putting pressure on them because of the fact they were sat so far back. Um, I think Lincoln deserve credit for the way they defended. I'd like to see us defend like teams like that. Definitely, and also their pressing first half as well. Yeah, it was. You know, we were getting dragged around at the back, really struggling with it. But this um, is our this is our new resolution for this season to actually give the opposition some credit and remember them. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, true. I mean, you could. Lincoln also exposed how Finley does not have a right foot. 
Jesus Christ, the amount of times that he had to pivot to try and kick. He looked like me because I'm left footed. I, I compared right him to. It was hilarious. I compared him to Ben Futcher at one point. Then I think I was shot <laughs> down. That, I mean, he's. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Finley's a very bad. good defender, but my God, was he is he left footed? Jesus Christ. The way they pressed him on the angle when it played him onto his right foot and he was trying to do pirouettes around people because he can't pretty kick with his right foot. I was like, fucking hell, yeah. that was a bit dodgy. Yeah. But, yeah uh, we don't George Dugdalier said um, to give Lincoln some credit, organised, competitive, deserving of the win, but we're going to face far better sides this season and we're miles off it at the moment. Um, did, we haven't mentioned Marcus Brown, but you said he looked like he was in tears, Connor, as he was coming. Yeah, I mean, when, I mean, when he was walking off, he was pulling his shirt up to his face and he was wiping his eyes and as he went down the tunnel, he looked very emotional. So, I mean, obviously I was I was quite close to the tunnel yesterday. Um, yeah, I... KR said it was a it was like a kick to the knee or something. So I I have no idea what the extent hopefully it's is like an impact it. thing then. Yeah, I think it might be because he walked off the pitch, so you know he's not like done his ACL again or anything because he walked he was walking off. But it's just yeah, I re- I, I I looked at my phone and I had a message from my friend and it obviously he was in the stadium as well and it just said fuck because it's true because you see you see that and you think. That is the word that comes to mind when Marcus Brown went down and was injured. You just think that those are the word, that's the word that comes to mind because he looked, you know, he looked brilliant yesterday again. And he, him and McGuane were two of the players actually stood out. And if he is injured seriously again, that's yeah. uh, that's a big, big blow. So hopefully we'll find out, I guess sooner rather than later, probably before Saturday, what the extent of it is. And hopefully yeah. it's it's nothing too serious. But fingers fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. Apologies Jack. for expeditives again, everyone. That's right, you said about <laughs> 12 in the last four minutes or something. Yeah, um, uh, people should be used to it by now. Zach said on Twitter about KR just playing the same formation that's failed the last three league games and being too stubborn to change it and the fact that we don't have the pace to play 4-3-3. Kind of touched on that already. Jack, do you, what, what do you think about that? Do, we, do you need pace to play 4-3-3? Do you, can you play inverted wingers if your fullbacks are... Getting beyond them. Well, we we just end up going to the same conversation, don't we? That yeah, Bowden and Brown are better better being played as inverted wingers, and that also gives the opportunity for the fullbacks to bomb on. At the minute, we're kind of a little bit hamstrung, ironically, because people have got hamstring injuries um, <laughs> to play our pacey wingers. So it feels like we're having to adapt to a four three three system just because that's what Plan A is, but. Oh, I don't, yeah. And if Brown's now injured, you go well. There isn't going to be much pace up top at all. You're asking a lot of Tyler Goodrahum to, you know, he's quick and he'll take players on, but he's still young. You know, if he gets smashed in the first ten minutes on Saturday, does he get up and go again, or does he go missing a little bit? So I'd lo- I'd love to see a shape change, but then you get back to the have we got enough defensive cover to play a three at the back in the way we want to? Probably not. So then, what's your other alternative? You probably play a narrow midfield, but then, you know, the, the, yeah. we just get into circles about the weaknesses and how we get around them. Uh, um, yeah, tw- the OUFC um, hashtag on Twitter just exploded yesterday after KR's interview, though. Um, I haven't seen it like that for a long time. Um, but yeah, let's hope. I, everyone, I guess the main thing is everyone needs to keep obviously supporting the boys and they obviously will and try and stay as positive as we can. 
get out the other side of this. But um, yeah, let's look at what's going on across League One. Um, Ipswich, not that surprisingly, have had a really... Hasn't Marcus Harness just like stormed it? Like three goals in his last three games after coming across from Pompey, who are also doing well. Ipswich, top of the league, Pompey in third. But there's not a lot of... I guess the top four, Bolton added to that, doing all right. And then... No one's w- talked about, really talked about Peterborough either, but they are all right. They're a bit of a yo-yo, but they know what they're doing in League One. And uh, all right, it's only four games in, but Charlton seem to be a thing as well. They've still got Clark. I, we talked about this before, but Clark Harris is still there, isn't he? As well, who ripped up the yeah. league last time he was here. So I think, I think the thing Sammy Smolich now, but yeah, I think Peterborough will be a force this season. I think the thing with League One this season is, whereas last year you kind of bigger known teams, your Bolton, your Charlton, your Portsmouth, took a long time to get going. Actually, they've all recruited quite well and hit the ground running. So, you know, in the preview pod, we were talking about Chef Wednesday, we were talking about Derby, we might have spoken about Plymouth because they had a good year last year. We maybe didn't touch on those three, but actually they've strengthened well. So, you've, you know, straight away, you're into eight teams that you've got to be looking to get above and it, it just feels like the league is even more competitive, which is why the slow start is more frustrating because I think, James, you said last night, granted, it's only four games in, but you're already seven points behind Ipswich kind of thing by yeah. having a slow start. Exactly. And how many points are they going to be dropping um, in the coming weeks? But you never know. Um, we've just got to pick up. What have we got next? We've got, so obviously, Morecambe, we'll get onto that in a sec. And then, they, and then who have we got? Cheltenham away. Cheltenham away, yeah. Yeah. Oh God! So two teams that happen to be underneath us. Um, the other surprises in the league: Wickham had and MK Dons have had the same start as us. So one, one, lost three, which I don't think many of us would have predicted. And Burton have already let in twelve goals in four games, <laughs> which is horrendous. I mean, I I still think conceding we've conceded four in four now, right? And I I don't. I wasn't buying the whole, uh, which model do we want? Do we want to score goals and be the top scorers in the league? Or do we want to be solid at the back and you can't have one and the other, you've got to find the balance. But I was never buying it. I no, think I, I did see something saying our XG had gone right down or something. Um, XG against, sorry, had gone right down. But I don't know. I just, I think the types of teams that we're playing, Derby trying to work out who they are, Bristol Rovers, anti-football a little bit. And then Lincoln, you know, just kind of tore us apart at when they needed to last night. But you're not buying it, John, either. No, I think you can. You just need to get to a place where you dominate possession and be solid defensively, and that will kind of get where get you where you need to be. So it doesn't have to be either or. Um, but there's nothing. <laughs> teams that tend to go up do t- concede less. The teams that win four three get to the playoffs and. You know, it's 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 a it's luck, a bit more luck in that space. Um, so no, I I think there's definitely a place in the middle. Yeah, right. So we've got Morecambe on Saturday, as we said before. It's it's weird, isn't it? And we said this last night. It's weird how big this game feels. Um, <laughs> so it feels genuinely like a must win because I can't imagine the eruption on Twitter, um, and through the fan base or through the forums or wherever that's going to happen if we don't get a result and I just can't I've no idea what team we're going to play as a, to, to get the job done 
Um, I'm just glad it's at home, to be honest. I think it's a good yeah. thing that it's at home. Well, let's hope that we have a positive start and then it will be a good thing that it's at home if if yeah. it's not like that. Stockton, <laughs> have we worked out where Stockton is? He yeah. He's still ill, in inverted commas, according to Derek oh. Adams. Ah, he caught the O'Dowders. Oh, he's going to say he's doing an That bug's been going around a while, isn't it? Jesus. Yeah. It's not going away. Um, does anyone know anything else about Morecambe? All I know is the, the, ter- the very upsetting game at the end of last season. Um, they're struggling to score like we are um, their current strike force consists of uh, John Obika oh um, come on and their uh, goalkeeper he, he scored in a 1-0 defeat don't <laughs> <laughs> can we sing the song though <laughs> sorry I'll stop, stop. Obika. I don't uh, singing that Obika yeah it's great All right. <laughs> yeah but I mean that their start, they probably well, they lost at Peace and they've lost at Bolton, which you probably expect, and then they drew nil nil with Shrewsbury and drew one one with Fleetwood. So they're probably going to be in the same space as they were last season, in all honesty, which is trying to stay in the league and being very difficult to potentially break open. Which is why a good start on Saturday is so vital because if it's nil nil after say fifty minutes, you can imagine how touchy. Oxford fans will be and just you know an early goal yeah if there's a game that is crucial and I think this is the one because there's so much noise going on about poor performances etc etc we need a good start on Saturday they'll be a step back from Lincoln in the sort of how they come they'll literally be coming for a point and it will be even tougher to break them down yeah when I when I spoke they'll probably be able to counter less efficiently, I suppose, is the other side of it. When I spoke to the Morecambe podcast for their kind of preview thing, one of his words was, um, obviously Oxford play a really attacking passing style of football and we, well, we just don't really play football. So... (laughs) (laughs) um, At least he was honest. Yeah, and I think, well, they'll, they'll come, they'll try and frustrate and... They know that if they do frustrate, they'll get the fans on our back. So, you know, positive, quick passing, attacking play, really go at it first 20 minutes and hopefully you can kind of almost win the game within that, maybe. I I liked your provisional team that you shared on WhatsApp, Jack, but it'll it'll mean changing to a narrow diamond 4-1-2-1-2 style thing. So McGuane holding, Brannigan and Henry in the, the middle two. Bowden just ahead of them in like a cam position and then you play both Taylor and Joseph up front together. But I don't think it'll it'll happen. But I think it look no, on paper that looks like a decent a decent lineup. But um you, you could go four three three with Joseph on the left. And That's what we tried yesterday. That's what we tried yesterday when Joseph first came on. Yeah, and then you can at least, at least you need to, you need to occupy Morecambe centre halves. So, oh yeah, the diamonds is an experiment. But I'm having thought about it. I think I'd lean to try it. I think we can afford to try it with to have the two strikers on the pitch. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's going to be interesting. I don't want to do predictions because it's going to make me feel sick. Let's do it. Come on. Go on then, Connor. Two 0 Oxford United. 
A nice 2 0 or a nervous one? Nervous. Okay. Cut, John? I wanted to say 2 0 as well. So I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to agree. Double down. Yeah. Jack? Well, I said 2 0 touch on the Morecambe pod, so I'll stick with it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Go on, James. You've got to go, got to go off, off the rails here. I can, we'll concede first and win 3 1. Oh. Seed first, you're just not because we haven't had we haven't seen any of that like comeback character yet, and this will be the game where it all comes we'll back. We've two goals all season. Yeah, James, you three in one game. <laughs> this is where we start Operation Top Goal Scorers in the League, second year running. Catch Walker at home. I hope you're right. Yeah, or we might lose one nil to a John Abika. <laughs> Shut up. Are we going to talk about these Race? these preseason predictions that we made? Or are we going yeah, to let's do it really quickly. <laughs> God. No, let's do it because I don't want to talk about this ever again. Um, yeah. Ben, who hasn't been on the pod for a while, but I'm sure he'll be coming back one day. Ben predicted league position of fourth with a player of the season, Matty Taylor. Connor, you've gone for sixth place, Cam Brannigan. Um, you know, maybe you got tied up in the whole, you know, carp yeah. stuff and whatever. Uh, Jack. <laughs> It's gone for eighth. Uh, picked Findlay. You happy with that so far? I'm pretty happy with it from the kind of I think eighth solid, is... solid <laughs> brute of a defender point of view. Yeah. I mean, eighth is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've gone the lowest position, so you're looking the best in that regard. Um, I've gone <laughs> fifth. I've gone fifth with Marcus Brown being the player of the season. He'll be out all season now with a knee injury. No, I'm still... I'm, still <laughs> no, I'm joking. At, Hopefully not. Uh, John, you've gone sick with McGuane. I think that's looking... That's a good shout so far. Let's just remember I had Steve Seddon for Player of the Year last year. So <laughs> <laughs> that started off very well as well. You, you literally well, took the words out of my mouth. It, it did, didn't it? Didn't it actually... St- it did yeah, start well, exactly. didn't it? Yeah, he scored it against Cambridge. Like I, I'm feeling good about the McGuane. Well, I, I feel the sixth place is... Even before, I kind of my head wanted to say more like Jack, but my heart said sixth. So I'll you've got that. to live in hope, don't you? Some level. Yeah, yeah. Unlike Jack, he just wants to stay in League One forever. <laughs> I'm doing a good job of that. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, um, Tony Fallows, who always does the the kind of the post in four four two season preview. So for the magazine, so he predicted seven. Did he predict seventh or eighth? I don't know. It says seventh on here, and he's got Brannigan as the player of the season as well. So there you have it. Um, this has been a long pod, hour and a half pretty much, um, but we had a lot of stuff to talk about. If Carl Robinson's listening, hope he don't come and find us. Um, heard how loud you can shout on the the other the other podcast. Has anyone has everyone finished that moment yeah. of truth? It was yeah. it was decent, wasn't it? Yeah. I still felt like um, Paul Warren comes across like um, David Brent at times. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought Paul, is, Paul was absolutely fantastic. He was absolutely he was fantastic, fantastic, but it's just like yeah. he... they couldn't they couldn't have picked two kind of contrasting characters in terms of approach to man management and team management. But actually, as people, they come across really well as well, and I think that's something yeah. that I've had a lot of people who don't really get League One and just know Robinson as being a bit loud and mouthy who've messaged or I've talked to and they've said actually he comes across as a really likeable person who's really yeah. kind of just in almost has a character on the touchline in his interviews but actually he's 
I think you know he does come come out of it well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the series overall is absolutely fantastic. I think any football fan at any level should be interested in that because the insight you gain from that podcast yeah, was unrivaled to anything you've ever heard before. Like that for me, that sort of stuff beats hands down beats the like Sunderland until I die episodes and that sort of thing in terms of the kind of inside access you get to actually the thought processes that goes behind some of the decisions particularly like with Paul Warren that time when he had to pick who he was going to play in the Joseph Pate Trophy final and all that sort of stuff and the way oh, it was fantastic just yeah when you really, see really deli- when he's delivering the news to the players and yeah. how worried he is about you know yeah. you're saying like are oh, their family have got tickets and they're going to be here and but it also, for me, I think importantly, it humanised the the managers and some of the players as well. Because I think often as football fans, we forget that these people do actually have feelings. And we are under pressure. Though, I'm not saying so, they are under under. immense pressure. Immense pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Especially then, when it yeah, comes then to we, then we go and we go make a podcast and, and, an, and slate an, them. an hour and yeah. a half just destroying them. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's probably why. That's probably why they're so stressed. Good job I don't listen to it, then, it? but no, it's uh, it was very, very good. It was very good. Yeah. And if you've not listened to it, BBC Sounds, Moment of Truth, listen to it. It's fantastic. Now, thinking back to all the touching bits of it, I just feel guilty for the whole podcast we've just done. But, you know. Um, right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll try and get back into more of the regular rhythm, I think. So hopefully we'll, we'll have another pod out within the next couple of weeks. Um. This run of games is key, right? We've talked about it before, but we looked at it at the beginning of the season and we said, you know, we've got to be in a a pretty good place come the end of September, given the fixtures we've got. Definitely next three games, Morecambe, Cheltenham and Burton and then Shrewsbury. Got to be, don't know. Let's not worry about it. We'll worry about it on the next pod. Thanks for listening. See you later. Bye. (laughs) 